Welcome to the Brave Church Podcast. We are honored you've chosen to listen and pray you're blessed by this talk. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit bravechurch.org. Welcome, everybody. I have a problem with exaggeration, uh, but we're in, a, we're in a series, a study on the Beatitudes called A Good Life. These are the attitudes that Jesus taught that this will create the best life. And uh, I don't know about you, but life is short. The older you get, the faster it moves. And so I'm really interested in, you know, I I don't want to like get to the end of my life and and have any kind of regrets. I want to know that I've lived the best life that I can. And so Jesus says, if you live these beatitudes, you'll be blessed, which means happy, and you'll have a good life. And if you apply these eight keys, you're going to have a great life. So today our beatitude is found in Matthew chapter 5, verse 8. And uh, you can uh, take out your notes, they're in your programs, you can follow along on the big screen behind me. If you're joining us for, our, for your first time, you are so welcome here, we're glad that you're here. Uh, the most important thing you need to know about Brave Church is we don't claim to have all the answers, uh, but we're giving our best to following Jesus, which brings us to Matthew chapter 5, verse 8, Jesus taught, blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Does this one feel a little mysterious to anyone else? I mean, I mean, you either, when you read that, blessed are the pure in heart, you know, for they'll see God. I mean, you either think, of course, that's me. I got this one down, right? I mean, my heart is so pure. Crystal guides are pure. Or, or man, this one sounds tough. How am I ever going to pull this one off? pure of heart. Will I ever see God? Will I ever see Jesus? I mean, who really has a pure heart except for my mom, maybe, right? But a pure heart, is that even possible? What does this mean? What does it mean to have a pure heart? Well, a pure heart is without hypocrisy, open, nothing hidden, undivided, single-minded on God. Having a pure heart is not living sin-free, You see, a person with a pure heart is living without hypocrisy, not pretending to be who they are not. Thousands of years ago, uh, during a time in the Greek culture when there was Plato and Socrates and Aristotle, and they wrote these, which are now classic plays, they would use one actor who would play multiple parts in the play. So a guy would come out from behind the stage, and he would have a mask on in front of the forum, and he would play that part. Then he would go backstage and he would come out with a completely different mask and he would play a completely different role or part. Then he would go backstage, get another mask, up to five times, five different parts in the same play, five different masks, and then he would walk out. In Greek plays, one guy would have multiple roles with multiple masks and he was called a hypocrite. Hypocrites today in everyday life are really hard to discover, especially in our technology and the way we move and how quickly we move. A hypocrite means you're not the same with everybody. It means you talk one way with this group and then you talk a different way with this group. You talk, your talk does not match your walk. It's very inconsistent. But no one in the group is in the same place at the same time, so nobody hears the same things. Does that make sense? You're wearing different masks, but no one really knows. A person with a pure heart, however, is open. There's just nothing hidden. For example, if a person says, you know what, 
I'm an alcoholic, and they openly share that, that story, their, their journey, their struggle, and their transparency with that, they have a pure heart. There's nothing hidden. The person, that person is actually healthier than a religious person who denies they have any issues. Write this down. A person with a pure heart is honest, not sinless. A person with a pure heart is honest, not sinless. They know they're powerless to make themselves right. There's a sense of humility in who they are. So a person whose heart is pure has one goal, the desire to know, love, and serve God supremely with every part of their lives. Jesus said, a happy, blessed person is someone with a pure heart. They're relying on God to save them, not their own perfection. Are you telling me that if I rely on what Jesus Christ did on the cross, if I believe that the shedding of his blood covers all of my sins, past, present, future, that if I trust in his righteousness to save me, if I accept his love and his sacrifice, that that means I have a pure heart before him? If you're honest and you're authentic and you're real and you're not a hypocrite, you have a pure heart. A pure heart, another word for it, is called Integrity. Integrity, that's easier to say than to live. One famous company proclaimed, we tend to conduct ourselves in accord with these four values. Listen to these values. Respect, integrity, communication, and excellence. The name of that company was Enron. The executives that hid billions of dollars in debt from failed deals and projects, and many of those executives are in prison. Integrity has been a word that's kind of so overused that it's rarely lived. I don't know about you, when I drive down the freeway and I see whatever kind of service vehicle and it says integrity or whatever, it's like, that doesn't really move me. I'm like, it's like, prove it, right? But then when someone does have integrity, it's not readily appreciated or even honored or seen in other people. Image without substance is everything these days. Our culture is absolutely obsessed with the appearance of things and how you look. They've done studies on this. If you're beautiful, you're considered bright and you're considered the best if you're beautiful, which leaves most of us out. You could be sexy like me, but the Bible says that God could care less about how you look. God is not into appearance at all. Thank God, right? God isn't impressed with our achievements God isn't impressed with our accomplishments or acquisitions. It doesn't mean that he's not happy for us or that isn't a great thing, but that's not really what he's about. God isn't interested in how educated you are or how wealthy you are. God doesn't care about how popular or famous you are. What God cares about is how healthy is your heart on the inside, the real you. In 1 Samuel, the word says, man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks in the heart. Today's verse, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. What in the world does that mean? Today, when someone says, you know, they have a pure heart, the word we would more often use in that would be, they have integrity. Now, you may be really surprised to discover that integrity in the scriptures does not mean that you do not make any mistakes. If you have to be sinless to have integrity, we're all in trouble. Because the word of God says in 1 John chapter 1, verse 8, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. It's the honesty of who we are 
the humility of who we are before God and before others that creates this sense of living from a pure heart, living with a sense of wholeness. So Jesus is not talking about you've got to be perfect and absolutely pure in your own righteousness and ability to see God. He's saying rather you're trusting in his ability. So God is more interested in the direction of your heart, what your heart is committed to, than he is the sins that you commit. He's more interested in why you do what you do than what you do. And so in the Bible, there are many examples of people who did not do the right thing, that sinned. Amazing stories of things that that they did that if you did today, it would put you in jail. They had the wrong motivation, and God says, this does not count. On the other hand, the Bible tells us about all these leaders who didn't always do the right thing, and God blessed them. They had weaknesses, real, glaring weaknesses. For example, the Bible says that Abraham had integrity, but we also know in Scripture that he actually lied. David had integrity. He was a man after God's own heart. God says this about him. Moses had integrity. He murdered somebody, and yet God said he's the meekest man in all the earth. Paul had integrity. He had people stoned to death, yet none, not one of these guys was perfect. They did all kinds of things that were wrong. And God said of King David, he's a man after my my own heart. This guy's committed adultery. He's had the woman's husband murdered. One time he pretended to be mentally insane just to get out of something that he didn't want to do. I've done that a lot. (laughs) Sometimes I even act like I don't hear Tracy, which is, I guess, being a hypocrite, right? But now I'm confessing it and I'm open, so I have a pure heart. (laughs) David was not perfect in any sense, and yet God says, you know what, that guy over there, I see something in him. He is really messed up, right? But he's got a heart after my heart. Remember this one question, what does my heart want? See, that's really the question. When David's sins were made public, he repented, then he turned from them, and he gave his heart wholeheartedly to God. Write down these three words. A person of integrity means, number one, wholeness. It means that your life isn't divided up into compartments. You're not living separate lives. You're acting and you're behaving one way in front of people and not differently in front of other people. It takes a while, frankly, to discover when someone is doing this, when they're a hypocrite. It really does. And when you do, they usually blame someone else and then move on. Why? Because the wagons are circling. There's an awareness I'm not who I say I am. They're going to figure me out, especially in community. When you live in community and relationships, the wagons start to circle if you're living with duplicity. The word integrity comes from the word integer. It's a math number, a whole number. It's not a fraction. It's not a decibel. It's a whole number. The word integer is the word that we get integrity. Integration is the opposite of segregation. Segregation means you divide things up and you divide people up. Every ship prior to the Titanic had one hull. When they created the Titanic, they were so excited because they created compartments within the hull. The idea being if one compartment flooded, then the rest of the compartments wouldn't flood, believing that that would keep them from ever sinking. The enemy in scriptures says that 
he has many tactics, accusation and deception. And one of those tactics is he isolates two or three or four people or six people. He isolates them into their own separate clique or group. He gets them separated from the church community of the whole. One of the things that we believe about discipleship and following Jesus is it's one-to-one, it's one-to-small group, and it's one-to-large group or crowd. That's what Jesus modeled. By having all of those influences in your life, by listening to the large group, large crowd, and awareness of what God is teaching and speaking, by having a home church, a small group where people are healthy and interacting, and a one-to-one mentor in different areas of your life, it keeps you healthy by having all of those things in balance. Integration means that we're all part of the same family together. We, we don't think the same, we don't look the same, we don't smell the same, we don't act the same, we don't have the same background, the same skin color, but we're all the same, one family. We're integrated together. That's part of integrity. When you segregate your life, you don't have integrity. And so a lot of people think, that, they think of life kind of like a pie, right? That I have these different things in my life. There's different parts of the pie. So like one slice of this pie, a big slice is my career, Another slice is church, another slice is my family, and then another slice, my social life, my sports life, and then over here, maybe my friendships. And if you segment your life like that, you'll lack integrity, pretending to be different people in each piece of the pie. This is why people can get so confused. You know, when someone's exposed because it's always like, no, wait a minute, he was such a really good guy or she was such a really good girl. And every time we're like baffled, no, this can't be, I'm so surprised. It's like, you know, the neighbor on Channel 2 News, they were such a good neighbor. I had no idea they were building explosives next door. I, I, just, I just had no idea that was going on. Integrity is not parts of the pie, it's the filling within the pie. It's one whole. It means you're exactly the same with everybody that you talk to. There's no favoritism, no matter which slice of your pie that you're dealing with. The sad truth is it often takes a lot of time before pretenders are seen for who they are. Why? Think of this. Because the innocent rarely compare notes. And so it creates a protection for evil and deception and false accusation, it gets protected because the innocent aren't comparing. Hey, did you know I heard? They're not comparing notes. Number two, a person of integrity means wholeness, and then number two, authenticity. It means you keep it real. Be exactly who you appear to be. If you have integrity, you act the same no matter where you are. Jesus doesn't want me to be religious. Jesus wants me to be real, authentic. Number three, unmixed motivation. You do the right thing for the right reasons. It means you're sincere. Have you ever heard someone say something about someone and, and they go like, oh man, I thought, I thought she was here for the right reasons, but over time I realized it was just really all about her. Pure in heart means you don't have a mixed motive of why you're here. Reputation is who everybody thinks you are. Integrity is who you really are. God says, those who have integrity live happy, blessed lives. Why? Because you're at peace. 
You're not putting something on over here and acting one way over here, saying this over here, and then running over here and saying this, and then saying this. Um, Imagine just the stress of that kind of life, and yet many insecure people choose that kind of lifestyle. So what I'd like to do is I'd like to encourage us all with the benefits and the blessings that come to a good life. Now, there are a lot of benefits and blessings of having a pure heart, but here's just a few. Number one is just personal confidence. You live with a different kind of confidence when you have integrity because you know who you are. You know where you're going. Uh, You don't have to worry or hide or be crafty about anything because you're just the same person. You're able to be upfront about your faults. There's just something about that kind of person. They have a sense of confidence that's attractive to other people. It's relaxing. You, You feel peace around them. There's no hidden agenda going on. Insecure people, they struggle with this because they lack self-confidence. So it's always about, do I mislead you to make you think I'm more than I am? Do I mislead you to make you think this? Do I minimize others to make myself? When we're insecure and coming from a place of insecurity, we say and do all kinds of things. Proverbs 10, verse 9, it says, it says people with integrity have firm footing, but those who follow crooked paths will slip and fall. They eventually slip and fall. A person with a lack of integrity spends way too much energy being on, you know, working the room, right? Just a lot of energy of keeping this image of whatever it is that they're trying to portray to everybody else. A person with integrity, though, has a lot of confidence in what the will of God is. They know how to hear God because they have integrity. They see God. They're with God. They have a personal daily devotions. They have a routine. They have a rhythm to life. They have a oneness and a wholeness in their life. Look at this verse, Proverbs 11, verse 3. The integrity of the honest keeps them on track. A pure heart shows you the right way to go. A pure heart shows you what to do next. Maybe you're in transition. Maybe one of your kids is going off to college or maybe you just changed jobs. Whatever it is, you you have a sense of peace of what to do next. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. When you see God, you know what to do next. The second blessing of integrity is a lasting legacy. It, it lasts. This is the greatest legacy that you can pass on is your integrity and your character. Everything else that you do, think about it, it gets lost eventually. The money, all the money you earn, all the retirement you save, all of that ends up going to your kids and then they spend it all. Right? That's the cycle, right? The work that you do now, wherever you're working, when you leave, you know, it's, it's like a, you want to know how important you are? Take a five-gallon bucket of water, fill it up, put your hand in it. This is your work and everything you're doing. Pull your hand out, and the hole that's left is how important you are. No, life just fills in around you. Have you noticed that when you get sick and you stay home, the world doesn't fall apart? Right? Get sick more often. No, I'm just, no, don't, don't do that. Right? All the trophies that you've earned, they all get, they're all in boxes, they're stored in attics, and they all get thrown away once your mom dies, right? Isn't this encouraging? Good, okay. But the good news is your integrity, the character that you have, that's going to get translated. That, that has salt and light. It marinates and it permeates the people around you. And most importantly, your own children and your own family from one generation to the next generation, it creates a lasting legacy. 
Proverbs 20, verse 7, a righteous person lives on the basis of integrity. Blessed are his children after he's gone. My great-grandmother was a godly woman. My grandmother was a godly woman. My mother is a godly woman. My wife is a godly woman. My kids have a godly legacy of people who have lived consistent lives of integrity in front of them. Not perfect people, but with integrity. My grandfather was a godly man. My father is a godly man. And I'm a man, I'm not perfect, but I do follow God with all of my heart, mind, soul, and strength. I give it everything I have. My sons have a legacy not to live up to, but a blessing and inheritance just to receive. Now, let me say something so important. To those of you who do not feel that you have a godly legacy, in Christ, in God the Father, you now have a choice, a new choice. You can be the first in your family to create a lasting legacy. When we begin to follow Jesus, we begin this new legacy. We begin a new identity. We receive a new family name. Moms and dads, you can give the gift to your kids of character and integrity, regardless of your past lineage. There's no such thing as a, as a perfect parent here, but you have made some good choices. You're here. You've made some good choices, and you're passing them on to your kids. You might think, well, not me. I just haven't made any good choices. I messed up on this one. I, I didn't show integrity in my relationships. Maybe you're here today, and it's like, man, I so blew it. I'm going through a divorce, or my family's falling apart, or whatever. I understand that then I just want to say to you, your story's not over. This may be a really rough chapter in the book of your life. It may be multiple rough chapters. I understand that. But you can still have integrity in your life. You can still turn the page. And sometimes the greatest integrity you show is is when you don't have blessing. A lot of us know the story of Job. Um, If you're new to church, you might have even heard this story of Job. Job... uh, Job almost choked when he was speaking one day. There we go. Job decided to have integrity even though he'd lost it all. He lost all of his wealth. He lost all of his health. And he didn't know why he'd lost it all, but he decided to have integrity. I'm going to have integrity through all of this. And one of his friends gave him some advice here in Job chapter 8, verse 5. And that was, if you pray to God and seek the favor of the Almighty... If you are pure and live with complete integrity, God will rise up and restore your happy home. If though you started with little, and though you started with little, you will end up with much. And that's exactly what happened to Job. Job had a pure heart, and in the end, he was doubly blessed. Some of you have gone through a tough time, maybe even a loss of integrity. Because of the loss, you start to think, well, what does it matter anymore? I mean, sometimes we make just a series of bad decisions it's like, which lead to another bad decision of I just want to give up and forget it all, right? I've already messed up so much. I mean, what does it even matter anymore? Listen, your story is not over. We love comebacks, don't we? We all do. And the truth of the matter is your greatest integrity might be what you do with your loss of integrity, your next choice, your next decision. You can still respond now with a pure heart. You can still come clean now with who you are in front of your friends and and those that you love. You can still have a lasting legacy. 
It's not too late. There's another blessing for your life when you live with integrity and a pure heart. Number three is rewards in eternity. This one, in a sense, is perhaps the greatest blessing of all of them because this is the one that lasts forever. God will one day say to you in Matthew 25, it says, well done, you're a good and trusted servant. Because you were faithful with the small things, I'll now put you in charge of much greater things. Come and share your master's happiness. This is an incredible verse because it's, it's a hint of what heaven might be like. That we're not gonna just sit around and float on clouds and play harps, which I don't even play a harp. I don't even wanna play a harp. Such a wussy instrument. No, I'm, I'm, I don't mean that. If you play a harp, that's beautiful. I love a harp. I love beautiful harps. But that's just not me. Maybe the drums, but I'm just not doing a harp, okay? That's all I'm saying, all right? But it says here, it says, I'll, know, I'll now put you in charge of much greater things. I'll now put you in charge of much greater things. Come and share your master's happiness. I don't know what God has in store, but it's gonna be amazing. It's like whatever you enjoy career-wise, work-wise, whatever you enjoy achieving here on earth, there's something about heaven that it gets just way, way better. And the sense of accomplishment goes way, way better. Now notice the words that says small things. That's where the rewards are. The biggest rewards are in how you handle the small things. It's easy to have integrity in the big things, or I'd like to think it is, than the smaller things. I was in downtown Danville recently. I was in a professional building, and I bumped into a woman that's brand new to our church. She came last Sunday, and she shared with me that she was on her phone with her son who lives out of state or out of the area, and so she ended up being the last one to leave the parking lot and then discovered that she had a flat tire. And she said, I just wanna tell you, Pastor, a man from your church stopped to help me. And before she said the man's name, I knew exactly who it was. I knew it was Dave Reuter. And sure enough, she said, Dave Reuter. There could have been a lot of men in our church that would have done that, but Dave has such a reputation of being a servant and just looking for the small things and being available. The small things create big rewards in heaven. Dave will be in charge in heaven, right? I'm just gonna be in a little guest house somewhere. You know, I just hope I have running water, right? Teach your children, live in front of them how you handle the small things. Every small word of encouragement you give this next week will be rewarded in, in eternity. Father God says, man, that's my kid. Look at the way he or she is encouraging people. Look at the comfort that they're bringing to other people. Look at the, the soft words, the words of love that they're giving to other people. You're gonna be rewarded. Every small kindness, every act of kindness that you give towards someone else will be rewarded in eternity. Every time you reject a temptation, it'll be rewarded in eternity. Every time you, you step up and tell the truth, it'll be rewarded in eternity. The Bible says the truth will set you free. Holding lies and confidence and secrecy and rumors, that doesn't set anybody free. There's nothing healthy about keeping that kind of confidence. Stepping up in truth, walking in the light with the doors open and the windows wide open, God honors that. That's the difference integrity makes, not just here, but in heaven, a good life for here and a good life forever. If you wanna get rid of all the insecurity in your life, get integrity in your life. Insecurity is a lack of knowing who you are and your identity and purpose. It's a lack of character. You have, you're not whole enough to be secure. 
The Bible says the person of integrity walks securely and confidently with other people. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they'll see God. All of us have sinned and fallen short. That's why we need grace, undeserved favor. That's why we need a savior, because there's no way I can measure up to God's perfection. And there's no way you can either. God doesn't expect you to be perfect. He does expect you to have integrity, which means I just own my stuff. I'm honest. There's nothing hidden. I don't tell half the story to this group and the other half to this group. I own the whole story. I tell the whole story. I don't mislead people with what I say. I don't, I don't always do it right. Your pastor is a very flawed individual. I, I don't always get it right. I, I make a lot of mistakes. I like what Dwight L. Moody said. I've had trouble with myself more than any other man I've ever met. <laughs> I sin. I'm not always unselfish. I want to be, but I'm not. But in the deepest part of my heart, in spite of my sin, I want to do the right thing. And I want to be a man of integrity. And I want to live that out in front of my kids. Fortunately, you know what? When God looks at me, when he looks out of the balcony of heaven, he doesn't say, oh man, what a screw up. That Darren, what a failure. I mean, he, he ought to know better by now. I should have made him a janitor or something. I don't know. Janitor's a good vocation, by the way. I'm just, I don't know what that meant. Instead, God looks down and he says, you know what? There's a guy who has a heart for me. His heart is he's going the right direction. You're never going to be perfect. You're never going to be sinless, but you can sin less. The basis for a pure heart is not how good you've been. This basis for a pure heart is how good God is. Purity of heart is a gift of God's grace to us that we could never achieve on our own. Think about this. You cannot earn a pure heart. You cannot, you cannot buy it. You know, it's like, it's like the guy who says, you know what, I, I, I haven't sinned, I haven't lusted, I haven't said an unkind word, I, you know, I haven't been impatient, but in a few moments, I'm gonna get out of bed. <laughs> right? You know? The only way to get a pure heart is to surrender to God, to throw yourself at his mercy and say, God, I give you my life. And God says, you know what? I'm gonna forgive all of your sins. I'm gonna purify you. I'm gonna purify your heart. I'm gonna cleanse you completely. So there's one question that I wanna leave you with that I want you to think about today and throughout this week. And this just one question that I want you to ask yourself. What does my heart want? Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, we just come before you and uh, with our hearts, all of our hearts, whether our hearts are segregated, compartmentalized, whether we're full of hypocrisy, whether we're not, whether we're hiding things or whether we are hiding are not hiding things, we just come before you humbly, sitting on the same level floor together, saying we need you, Jesus. We need you. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I'm not gonna have you stand or come forward, but maybe you're here today and you recognize, you know what, I, I, I do need a savior. I, I want to make a decision today to begin to follow Jesus. I don't know what all it means. I don't know what all it looks like, but, but I, I want to be forgiven. I want to be a man of integrity or a woman of integrity. 
I want to receive forgiveness of my sins and I want to begin to follow Jesus today. If, if you're here today and you'd like to do that, I'm not going to have you stand or come forward, but just right where you're sitting, just with heads bowed and eyes closed, just slip up your hand and say, yeah, I'd like to do that today. Just between you and God, between you and God. Anybody else? Anybody that needs to do that? Amen. Amen. Father God, help us to walk with pure hearts before you in our lives, Lord Jesus, to follow you and to honor you, Lord Jesus, to to turn the light on wherever we can, uh, to not hold false confidence, but to walk with the doors open, the windows open, the shades up, Lord Jesus, and to be open-handed before you, to be uh, a healthy church family made up of healthy people, Lord Jesus, with a spirit of humility. In Jesus' name, amen.